We are continuing our series in the book of Proverbs, this uh, idea of pursuing wisdom. What the scripture gives us is the skill in the art of godly relationships or godly living. And it is a skill and it is an art. And uh, we're still a little bit in that introductory phase here in Proverbs chapter 2, where we find what, what we're going to look at is essentially a, a paradox. Uh, and a paradox is maybe a statement or two statements that seem to be contradictory, but uh, upon further reflection, we see that they're, they're both true. Uh, you know, we, some things like less is more, or you have to, uh, you have to spend money to save money. Uh, you can make a lot of really good decisions out of that one. Um, you can maybe justify a lot of bad decisions actually. Uh, but uh, scripture, the Bible, God's word to us is, is actually filled with multiple paradoxes. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that when I am weak, then I am strong. And we're not going to dive into all of these, but then Jesus tells us as well in Matthew chapter 12, I'm sorry, 16, that whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There, There are multiple ways that we come across paradoxes in the Christian faith. And some of that is because walking with God, following after him, talking about these spiritual things and wisdom, recognizing that there is a spiritual nature to this world. That's one of the things that we've been talking about. <coughs> I'm hoping this doesn't happen a lot. Um, that uh, wisdom is uh, a recognition that God has created a world with an order to it, a spiritual order, a moral order. And that brings with it mystery. And one of those mysteries is that that we're called to something. We're told we should do something, a responsibility. And here, as we look at wisdom, there, there's this call in these first four verses to seek after wisdom, to pursue it. That it is something we are told to do. You should do this thing. And so that's the first point that we'll look at, uh, our role of seeking wisdom, our role in seeking wisdom. And then we see God's role is that he is the one who provides it, that it's his responsibility. And there's a paradox in, in this idea that it's up to us and it's up to God. And that's not exactly how I would, that's probably not the most helpful way to say it. It's not up to us. We'll get to the second point. But it is God's responsibility. It is God's role. It is he who allows us to find wisdom, who gives us wisdom, who offers it uh, to us. And, and those, those two uh, statements and the way that those fit together, they, they actually are part of the Christian faith that, uh, that many of us uh, have struggled to, get our minds around that it is God's grace in our lives and yet we're called to certain things, right? And how do those fit together? I, I've experienced uh, life in the church over many, many years and there was a, a, probably a long period of time that I would have described as at least leaning legalistic. What does that mean? It means that, that I used to think in terms of if I, if I read my Bible, if I show up to church every week, uh, these things are necessary for God to really fully embrace me, for him to, to truly love me, for me to be worthy of, of what he's offered, that I need to do these things that God has called me to do. And, uh, and then as I spent more time in the church and spent more time reading the word and spent more time studying, uh, I, I have seen the, the beauty of the gospel that tells us that, that Jesus loves us, that God loves us no matter what. That he loves us despite all of our sin. We have the confession of sin every week. And, and we do that because we're remembering who we are, but we're also remembering that God loves us even though that is true. 
and that he embraces us even though that is true. And last week we talked about specifically that he loves you and me as individuals. He delights in us. Not only that he loves us, but he likes us. The ones that he created in his image even before the fall and the effects of the fall. And that is true even though we are sinful. We miss the mark. We we don't do the things that we're supposed to do. And so there have been times in my life where my tendency has been to to say, okay, that's the truth that I'm holding on to. And so then I I could lean toward, well, what I do doesn't matter. What I do doesn't matter. But we see here, as we see through much of Scripture, that there's a clear call that we are supposed to do something, and yet there are these great promises from God when we don't get it right. And so the first thing that we'll look at is, again, our role of seeking wisdom and then God's role of allowing us to find it, of giving it to us. Let me pray. Lord, meet us here in this time. Fill us with your truth and your wisdom. Change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some very clear commands here uh, in the first four verses in particular. Now, he is, this is the young teacher addressing his son. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time on this. This is applicable to all of us. This is all men and women, children, adults. Uh, the, the context here is this is given to the people of God that we would all learn about wisdom. And so when we hear my son, this is for all of us. And there is a call to receive my words. Receive my words, treasure up my commandments with you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding, seek it like silver, like it's this hidden treasure, pursue, seek wisdom. It is very, very clear, this is what you should do, and and I want you to hear me say, look at these words, hear these verses, you should do these things. You, as an individual, should do these things. I should do these things. We all should receive his words, treasure his commandments, make our ears attentive, incline our hearts, call out to him, raise our voice, pray, seek, make this something that we would desire. And and we need to hear that call, that there's something that we should do. We should sit with these commandments and ask that question, what what might this look like for me? What might it look like to to honor the Lord and and this call that he has given me to actually pursue wisdom, to seek it out as a treasure? And and even specifically, how how can I do that today and tomorrow and next week? What what are ways that we can can seek wisdom? We we talk regularly about being in the the word, reading the Bible. And I I would encourage you to think about what, what are one or two things that you do now to seek wisdom I would say one of those is you're here right now. Worshiping on a Sunday is shaping. It, 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 we, we come before the Lord, before his word, and we ask for wisdom. That's one of the things that we do. We pray for it in our prayer time. We sing about it. We ask that the word would shape us as we hear it preached. And, and I, I mean, I, I recognize that you may walk out, the, 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 almost certainly the most likely thing, that you will walk out of this service uh, and just a little bit, and you won't feel any wiser than when you started. Um, and and that's, that, I, that is true. That is, a, that is a reality in most worship services. There might be times when you hear you, something really clicks for you, a song that you sung or something that was said in the sermon that you think, oh, that's really helpful. And I pray that that's the case. But most often, it's a, you, you feel about the same when you came in. But I guarantee 
that week by week, being in a worship service, it shapes you and changes you and makes you more like Jesus. That there's something about worship and being with his people and going through these liturgies and these patterns that do shape us. And the same is true when we read the word on our own. So what are things that we already do? Do you, do you, do you read God's word at, at other times like it's a, a treasure? I have noted on multiple occasions, we have the daily prayer plans out on the table. If you haven't grabbed one of those and you're looking for a way to just say, okay, what's one thing I could do to start to pursue wisdom more? It's read God's word that he's asking us to receive in verse one. And that's just one tool of many that you could use to take a step in seeking wisdom. Uh, have conversations with your community groups. If you're not in a community groups, a community group, let me know or Ann know and, uh, or anybody that you know here. And we'll make sure that you end up in a community group where we can talk about and be developed together in these things. Because the reality is that, <coughs> excuse me, that we are, are shaped and directed toward something in particular, whether we recognize it or not. Essentially what I'm saying is that we're seeking something whether we're intentional about it or not. So if you're not seeking the Lord and his wisdom, then there are other things that are shaping you, that are, are uh, just our momentum leads us in a particular direction. And if that's the culture around us, if that's the things that we're watching or the conversations that we're having or the things that we're listening to, we have to recognize that those are the things that are shaping us. And, and yet what we're invited to here is to receive the words of God. And we remember from the last few weeks that this God, this Yahweh, the Lord, when it's in all caps, we find that in verse 5. He is the God who says, I want to be your God and you be my people. I want this personal relationship with you. And, and he says that this is what he's inviting us into. And if we don't pursue that, then we're, we're going to be shaped by other things. We're going to be seeking other things, even if we don't recognize it. So there's an invitation here to something that he notes is incredibly valuable. Seek it like silver, verse 4. Search for it as for a hidden treasure. He's, he's saying that there's something good here. So don't hear that pursue wisdom because this is just something you're supposed to do. And uh, it's, you know, it's good for you like your vegetables. Although maybe there's something analogous there for sure. But, um, but there is something beautiful and good and right for it's not just something that we should do. It's a treasure for us. It's something incredibly valuable. And part of faith and part of walking with Jesus is, is, is saying, yes, I believe he has something incredibly valuable for me. And I want to pursue that. And I want to have that. He's offering that to us. Jesus gets to this idea in Matthew chapter 13 when uh, he talks about finding uh, a treasure in a field and, and a man goes away and he sells all that he has so he can buy that field with the treasure in it. But he, he recognizes there's something valuable here and it's worth giving up everything else for that treasure. I, I re- recently watched uh, a movie, Hustle, and it's a, it's a great movie. It's on the Netflix, stars uh, Adam Sandler, not a typical Adam Sandler movie, but... Um, Adam Sandler plays Stanley Sugarman, who is uh, a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. And he finds this, uh, this player in Spain at, a, at a, like a street game. And uh, I'm sure that's what they call it. And uh, they, he, he finds this guy and he realizes he has incredible potential to make it in the NBA. And 
he comes to a point, though, when the owner of the 76ers is, is not going to bring in Bo Cruz, this guy that he's found, right? And so he has a decision at that point. The only way forward for Bo Cruz, not only for Bo Cruz, but also for the one who would find him, Stanley Sugarman, who has been pushed to the side for most of his career, the opportunity for him has to come through Stanley. That Stanley ends up using all of his, he goes for broke, essentially. He puts his resources, his finances, and his time, and his job into this guy, believing that he's found a hidden treasure. And part of the movie is, is figuring out, is, is it going to pay off? Is it going to pay off? Well, here what we have in Scripture is there's a hidden treasure, and it's worth giving up everything else for, that we would have what Yahweh, the Creator, wants for us a life of flourishing. He created the world and all that's in it, and he's inviting us into it uh, to live in it in a way that we might flourish, that we might experience his blessing. See all the promises that come in verses 7 through 9. Wisdom for the upright. He becomes a shield that guards paths of justice and watches over the way of the saints. He allows uh, his saints to understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. There are these incredible promises that this is, this, what, this is what comes from wisdom. This is what he is offering us. <clears throat> and so the question for us just continually should be, what are the things that are shaping us? What are the things that we're seeking? Are we seeking God's wisdom or the world's wisdom? And, and Proverbs here and all of Scripture actually tells us that those are two different things. There is a difference between what the world offers as wisdom and what what the Lord offers us. And, and we struggle with the fact that this is a process, that it takes time. We wish that it were, you know, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to make this commitment that many of us have, in this room have made. Some of us are maybe wondering. And, and we wish that at that moment that he would just make us wise. He would give us all the wisdom we need, that it wouldn't be a process. And yet, that's just not the way that the Lord works. We struggle with that sometimes. We wish it were the case. But God is a God of process. He, we, we talked about this last week with, with calling us to a path, a life of moving toward more and more wisdom. God has a God of process even before the fall, even before our mess, our, our rebellion against him. Creation itself was a process. Whether, whether you believe uh, that it was six 24-hour days or whether you believe that those were days that were referring to a longer period of time, regardless, it was a process. He didn't just snap his fingers and there was the world. He, in all of its goodness, gave process to creation, and it was good. He's inviting us into that process, and it is good. How might we pursue that? What are the steps that we would take? Well, there is this call that we should hear. You should do these things. You should, even today, read through, look at these first four verses and say, what would it look like for me to receive, to treasure up? to make my ear attentive, to incline my heart to understanding, to call out, to seek it like silver. What, what would that look like? And, and I think it's appropriate to hear me as, as your pastor say, you should do that. But you should also hear a bit of the paradox that God's role here gives us incredible confidence because it recognizes, as all of Scripture does, that we're not going to get it right all the time. We're not going to seek perfectly. We're going to mess up continually. And yet God is the one who is at work for God, for the Lord gives wisdom, verse 6. The Lord 
is ultimately the one at work. The Lord gives that wisdom, verse 6. It's not that we just work really hard and obtain it. God gives wisdom. And he gives wisdom. It's helpful to remember. We've talked about wisdom as the skill, or as being skilled in the art of godly living or godly relationships. So as we see in verse 5, the promise that comes to God's work, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's a dual meaning here to knowledge as there is through much of the Old Testament that knowledge is not just a, a head knowledge of some facts, knowing about God. It's actually knowing God. Knowledge is used most often to refer to relationship with. Like, I, I know uh, many of you means I, I know I have relationship with you. It's not that I just know about you. I know you. I have relationship with you. That's what this is talking about. And, and, and even to the point in Scripture where, where it's used to, to refer to intimacy between a husband and a wife, that kind of deep knowledge. Knowledge is more than just head knowledge. It is relationship with, and that's what he's inviting us into. It is deep relationship with Yahweh, with the Lord, the one who wants relationship with us. That's part of the beauty of what he's calling us to seek and to find. There's an incredible offer here. We also see, even from the beginning of the command, verse 1, receive my words, there, there is this recognition that receive is passive. We receive his words because he's the one offering them to us. He gives us his word. This, this beautiful book, and not physically beautiful, though you know, many of our Bibles are physically beautiful. It's the words of God that are given to us. It's his revelation of himself to us. He's offering himself to us. He, is, he has allowed us to know who he is and how he works in this world. And he's saying, receive that. It's, it's an incredible offer that he gives us. That knowledge is provided by him, that the, the word is provided by him. And we're invited into this beautiful truth so that as we seek, we know that underlying the seeking is a God who promises himself, who promises to provide, who promises to give us his word, to give us wisdom. So we, we seek not wondering whether we'll find it, um, that if we ask for wisdom, that it is offered to us. We find that in uh, the book of James in the New Testament as well. If you lack wisdom, ask for it, and he will offer it. So we recognize, I recognize, though, this is uh, this truth that we struggle with sometimes. We struggle with the process. We wish it were quicker. It's a hard process to walk through, Right? We, we want to truncate the process. We want it to be, you know, I prayed for a whole week and I didn't get an answer to this decision I had, right? It, that is often we think of wisdom as knowing what to do with a particular decision. Do I take this job or this job? Do I, do I date this person or not date this person? You know, do I go to this school or this school? That's how we often think of wisdom. But wisdom is so much more than that. It's experiencing relationship with the Lord himself. It's, it's having him. And again, it's this art of living in a godly way, in godly relationships. So that's something that, that shapes the way that we think about everything. It's not just the knowledge to make one decision or two decisions. It's, it is skill in the art of godly relationships over the course of a lifetime. And it is this spiritual work. So we, we see all these things that we struggle with because what wisdom is talking about is the moral order of the world, the spiritual order of the world that is sometimes harder to put our finger on and to measure. 
And so it becomes then harder for us to seek it or to see the benefits of it. And, and yet the call of faith, the call of wisdom is to understand the spiritual world into which we've been called, invited into. I, I uh, saw on, I am on Instagram a, a little bit and I was wasting time on reels and I found this comedian who uh, was basically mocking anybody that in the midst of a tragedy would talk about their thoughts and prayers. And I get what he's saying, right? Like if it's just, you know, you you put a little comment under uh, something that says my thoughts and prayers are are with the victims of whatever it is, and and there's no action taken. If that's all that we ever do, he's saying there's there's a problem here. Now he goes on to mock them and say it's all about them. And I I think it can be... uh, Sometimes that is true, but sometimes it's, it's actually, we're encouraged by other people praying for us. But that's uh, something that, that often happens for us if we know that someone's praying for us. But let's just be honest, as Christians, I think action should flow. We, we, we see that this result of understanding equity and justice uh, and the way of the saints and every good path, there's something that, that plays out. Wisdom is about this action that we do take. But there's also something to say. There's something spiritual going on in the world that, that prayer, even the calling out for wisdom, call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. This is this picture of prayer. We find prayer throughout this, the word of God because we are in a spiritual world. And our tendency, I know my tendency, we live in an incredibly cynical culture that dismisses these things. And I often want to explain away spiritual things or Spiritual reality, I was just having conversation with folks over the last couple of weeks in different places about um, this idea of over-spiritualizing. Um, and there are certainly places where I see somebody over-spiritualize something. If something good happens, oh, God blessed me for this money or whatever. That's a, uh, an over-spiritualization. But the reality is I recognize in my own heart, and I think in our culture, even the culture of our church, is to not to over-spiritualize in fact, just the opposite. It's, it's to, to explain things away. There's, there's another explanation for why this thing happened. That prayer is just something that makes us feel good. Yeah, prayer is right and good, but it just it makes us it feel good. It it's not actually effective. Yet the Word of God tells us something really different. And prayer here specifically is saying, pursue wisdom, cry out for it, and God will give it. That's just one of the ways in which we live in this spiritual world that we're invited into, and wisdom is stepping into that reality and rejoicing in it and pursuing it. And God is saying that there is a treasure here that is sure and certain, and it has application now, and it actually has application for uh, eternity. The reality is that we have spiritual needs. We have physical needs. We should talk and think about how we address those things, and we're joining in with one of the ways that we're doing that is uh, that doing the gleaning at the end of the farmer's market and we're hopefully having lots of volunteers on September 11th to work with Meet Me Under the Bridge to provide food for the housing insecure. We, we, we want to engage in those things, but we also want to recognize that there is a spiritual world that we're a part of and that it matters in really significant ways. And that ultimately our greatest spiritual need is forgiveness, that we have broken relationship with Yahweh, with the Lord, who wants to be our God and us to be his people. And that Jesus, 
who is the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that he is the wisdom of God. He has come into this mess, into this world where we don't enact wisdom, we don't seek it, we don't pursue it in the way that we're supposed to, that we're called to, that we're invited to, that we're, we're invited into the blessing of. We don't do it. And so Jesus, the wisdom of God, has entered this world and he has bridged that gap. He has bridged the spiritual gap that we have. He meets our greatest spiritual need, which is that our sin, our rebellion against him, might be forgiven so that we might have relationship with the Lord, with I am, that knowledge of him that is relationship with him that comes ultimately because of the forgiveness that is offered through Jesus Christ. These are incredible promises and blessings that he offers. And when he invites us to seek it, that's a grace to us. That's a blessing to us. It shouldn't be a burden. I do, again, it's totally appropriate for me as your pastor to say, you should do these things. You should pursue wisdom. Seek after it like it is a treasure. And and yet there is also the reality that when we don't do that well, Jesus still offers himself. That Jesus forgives us. That Jesus draws us up and into him in relationship with him and he offers us himself, the ultimate wisdom, the wisdom of God himself, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.